So rule number one in Hollywood, fat guy with no shirt is funny. They do that a lot in movies. Dewey Finn is a simple man. He has a passion for music, and all he wants to do is rock. As a matter of fact, Dewey is so passionate about rock that he really does not want to do anything else but wake up at the crack of noon, melt people's faces off, and rock. Oh, yeah, and he wants to win the Battle of the Bands. Do you have that kind of passion for anything sitting here this morning? Is there anything in your life that captures your emotions and thoughts like rock and roll does for our friend Dewey? What would you say that you're passionate about? Passion, simply put, is a strong desire or fondness towards something. All of us have a passion burning inside of us for something, and we have it, and we've had it ever since we were little. Maybe some of you went fishing or hunting as a kid, and it captured you so much that you are wondering if I'm going to finish fast enough so you can have time for the lake. There are some of you in here, I know it. For others of you, one of your first memories was watching a football or a baseball game, and now your life revolves around whether that team wins or loses but mostly loses. Haha, <laughs> I'm a Bears fan too, so I'm right with you guys. Maybe you love to cook. Maybe you love to sew. Or maybe you love to watch movies. There are even some of us in here who, like Dewey, love rock and roll. And probably country too. No. <laughs> there are some of you, I know it. We'll, we'll talk after. Whatever your passion is, it is something that has been there for a very long time. I've shared with you before that one of the things that I enjoy and that I'm probably impassionate about, if you were to ask my wife, is golf. I first played it in gym class when I was 12 years old. I believe I was in sixth grade. Well, that summer I turned 13 and my mother had arranged with my best friend. She got me my first set of golf clubs. Then my mother and my best friend's mother took us to the golf course and we played our very first round of golf. I believe I shot a 65 for nine holes. Not that I was keeping track. (laughs) Ever since that day, my passion for the game has grown just immensely. I love to read magazines and books. I have subscription to golf magazines. If there's a book about golf, I've read it. If there's a movie about golf, I have seen it. Back when we had cable, I would watch golf on TV. Yes, I would watch golf on TV and not take a nap. I'd actually watch golf on TV. I have a net in my backyard that I can go in the backyard and hit balls into for 20, 30 minutes a day. It is a game that, can, that is both exciting and humbling all in the same time. You could hit the shot of your life in one shot and hit the worst shot golf has ever seen the next shot yet you keep coming back. When I am stressed out, my wife, in a very loving, very loving way, will inform me that I probably need to go play a little golf because the person I am before I golf is completely different than the person I am when I come back from playing golf. I guess I have a little bit of a problem, huh? And it's tough here because in the town I lived in near Austin, I had a golf course literally 10 minutes away. That's not the case here, so... So I'm dying inside, guys, just so you know. Some of you golfers here, hit me up afterwards because we need to make things happen. 
But as you can see, passion can make us do a lot of things that would be outside the realm of normal. Being passionate about something is a normal part of the human experience. We all have passion inside of us. But did you know that there's another side of passion that I think we forget about? And another side that's probably more important than, the, than some of the passions we're chasing now. As I said earlier, many of our passions came to us when we were young. And the second type of passion came to us when we were reborn. And that is a passion for the things of the Lord. When you're reborn in God, when you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the Lord puts God, like, God-sized passions inside of you. So the question I have, and this is for me, am I as passionate about the things of God as I am about the things of the world? Do I chase those God-sized passions more than I chase my world passions? So in my case, do I spend more time on God things than I do on golf? If we believe the Bible when it says we are made in the image of God, which is Genesis one twenty-seven, and that nothing has existed or will exist that has more passion for us than God, would it not make sense that we should have a passion for him as well? I want to be passionate about what he is passionate about. I want to have a passion for the people that he has a passion for. I want a passion for prayer, a passion for worship, and a passion for his word. I want the passion for the Lord to overtake my passion for golf or overtake whatever your passion may be. Are any of you there with me this morning? This morning, if you haven't guessed, I'm going to talk about passion. I want us to begin to see the possibilities that lie ahead when we buy into this God-sized passion inside of us and we chase it with all of our heart. I want to get a good understanding on what our God-given passion can compel us to do in life and what it looks like when it does compel us. Dewey Finn realizes that he needs to do something. He can't rock people's faces off if he doesn't have a place to practice. He can't have a place to practice if he doesn't pay rent. He can't pay rent if he doesn't have money. And to have money, of course, he needs a job. So what does our friend Dewey decide to do? Yeah. Is this Mr. Schneebly? Nah, he's not here. Oh, could you take a message for me? Um, yeah. Hi, my name's Rosalie Mullins. Um, I'm the principal here at Horace Green Prep, and we're having a little emergency here. One of our teachers broke her leg on the way to school this morning, and all of our subs are already working. Pat Wickham at Milton Prep recommended I give Mr. Schneebly a call. Do you know if he's available? Uh, how long is the gig? Excuse me? Uh, how long is the job? My guess is as much as a few weeks, but we do need somebody to start immediately. Mm-hmm. So how much are we talking here? We pay our substitutes six fifty a week. Now, do you know when Mr. Schneebly will be back? Hold on a sec. Oh, you know what? I think he's just coming in right now. Ned, phone! Hello, this is Ned Schneebly. Pat 
faxed me your resume. It's very impressive. Mm -hmm. We've never been in a bind like this before, so thank you so much. So how's this going to work? Are you going to pay me up front? I, I don't understand. It'd be really great if I could get paid now in cash. Oh, well, we don't do that. Okay, well, when you cut my check, just make it payable to Dewey Finn for tax reasons. You can discuss all of that with Candace in administration at the end of the day. Okay, when's the end of the day? We commence at 8.15. School lets out at 3. Oh, uh-oh, you know what? Uh, you think I could cut out a little early today? I got some stuff I gotta do. It's cool. I can stay. Mr. Schneebly, this is considered the best elementary school in the state, and we maintain that reputation by adhering to a strict code of conduct, faculty included. Clearly Dewey, I mean Mr. Schneebly, has no idea what he is doing. As a matter of fact, given his passion and his desire, he is embarking on something that many would deem impossible. Substitute teaching. And talking to those of you who actually have degrees in teaching, even substitute teaching is deemed impossible. So imagine somebody who wants to rock and roll his life. Why would Dewey do that? The first thing we learn about compassion or passion is that it compels us towards the impossible. Passion compels us towards the impossible. Our passion can drive us to do some impossible things. Things that we would never think about doing, let alone actually do. Yet when our passion takes over, those impossible things do not seem to impact us like they normally would. Dewey does not care if he can teach or cannot teach. The only thing he can think about is rock and what it's going to take to be able to rock. Our passion towards God has an even greater impact on our thinking. When we begin to follow those God-given passions the impossible begin to seem very, very possible. Take David. He was a 12-year-old shepherd boy who had such a fiery passion for God that he was willing to take, take on a seven-foot warrior giant. Let's read. But David replied to the Philistine, You are coming against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I am coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's armies, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This day I will give the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the land. Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God, and all this assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will deliver you into our hand. The Philistine drew steadily closer to David to attack him, while David quickly ran toward the battle line to attack the Philistine. David reached his hand into the bag and took out a stone. He slung it, striking the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stank deeply into his forehead, and he fell down with his face to the ground. This is quite a quite a speech, actually. I get pumped up whenever I read this, and I want to go attack a giant now. Because if you read this whole passage... Every day this giant comes out and he's insulting their army. It's like, you're not sending anybody against me and your God is puny and I'm going to destroy you. And every day David has to hear this over and over again. He finally gets so fed up that he says, if you're not going to do something about it, I am because I can't sit here anymore. I am so passionate for the Lord that I can't take this anymore. 
I have seen people move mountains for their worldly passions. What are you willing to do for your God-given ones? Are you willing to move those same mountains that you move for your worldly passions? I'm willing to say with confidence that some of you right now are facing a seemingly impossible situation. Your passion for God has you in a place where all the obstacles set in front of you seem like they're unsurmountable. I'm here to tell you that God has you right where he needs you to be. And you are right exactly where he wants you. Your passion for him has brought you to the place that you sit right now. Let him slay the giant. All you need to do is sling the rock. And the rest is up to the Lord's. Back to our friend Dewey. Dewey is forcing himself to be at school day by day because it is what is needed to pursue his real passion. If he's going to rock, he's got to have money. It is safe to say that he is probably having a worse time than the students that he's substituting. One day, Dewey hears the students in music class and has one of those aha moments, and I talked about those a few weeks ago. He runs out to his van, which just so happens to be filled with guitars and drums and keyboards and and all the equipment you might need for a rock band, and has them waiting when the students get back to his class. Mr. S., what's going on? I heard you in music class. You guys can really play. Why didn't anyone tell me? You. What's your name? Zach. You play the guitar? Yeah. Okay, come here. You ever play the electric guitar? My dad won't let me. He thinks it's a waste of time. A waste of... Try this one. Okay. Here's a guitar pick. And you pluck along with me, okay? If you can. Right there, don't move. Piano man, front and center. What's your name? Lawrence. Lawrence, you ever played keyboards? Any techno? No, I only play piano. Okay, all right, fair enough. Try this out for me, okay? Just give this a try on my count, all right? One, two, three, four. Yes. Me, babe, but up, but I can't you see that I am not afraid. Shaka, Lawrence is good at piano, he shall be rocking in my Stop, that's perfect. You're perfect. Stay right there, okay? You, could you come up here, please? What was your name? Katie. Katie, what was that thing you were playing today? The big thing, cello. 
Okay, this is a bass guitar, and it's the exact same thing, but instead of playing like this, you tip it on the side, cello, you've got a bass. Try it on. Okay, now play this note right here, that's a G. Okay. But let your fingers do the rock and keep that G coming all day long. G, 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 good, stop. Are there any drummers in the house? I play percussion. That's because you couldn't play anything else. Shut up. Come here, dude. Just see if you can do what I do, okay? Just give it a try. Okay? Give that a try. Okay! That's really good. Just stay right here. All right. Okay. Lawrence, mm -hmm. give me a G note. With the fifth above it and the, the middle one. No middle one. I changed my mind. Now go an octave below. Now give me some rhythm. And keep that same rhythm. Go. Okay. Katie, remember that note I taught you the G? Play. But also keep it rocking good. Okay, give me like a like a no, that's bad. That's like George of the Jungle. Play it up here on the cymbal, but really light. Oh, that's it. Okay, keep going with that sack. You remember this thing I taught you a minute ago? Go, go, go. Yes. Yes. Boom. All right, let's go. Stop messing around. We got a lot of work to do. Okay, people, pay attention because I do not want to have to fail you. I thought you didn't believe in grades. Of course I believe in grades. I was testing you, and you passed. Good work, Summer. Four and a half gold stars for you. Now listen, you guys, you know what? Normal kids would have been stoked to slack off, but not you guys because you're not normal. You're special. And because I think you guys have the right attitude, I think it's time we started our new class project. A science project? No, it's called Rock Band. I've never had a substitute teacher like him. <laughs> our God-given passions that we have play out in our lives in a similar way. We go through the routines of life, and out of the blue, a situation arises where we can put our passions to work. We learn in these moments the second thing about passion. Passion compels us toward action. As I began to understand my passion in a deeper way, I began to realize that I have to put my passion to use. I can't just let it sit in the corner. God has given me the gift of being passionate about one thing or another, and I must put it to use, otherwise, what is the point of having that passion? What's the point of being passionate about it? My passion was given to me by God to be used and used for him. He gave me the passions that he gave me specifically for me so that they could be used in the way in which I could use them. Otherwise, he'd give those passions to somebody else.
Stephen was somebody who was, was full of passion for the Lord. And we're going to read a little bit of his story from Acts chapter 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently toward heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, shouting with a loud voice, and rushed at him with one intent. When they had driven him out of the city, they began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued to stone Stephen while he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. You see what passion for God can do to a person? And we just saw it with David. Stephen was so caught up in Jesus that he began preaching the truth to years who were uninterested. And not only uninterested, but violent. Those ears got so angry that they stoned Stephen to death. Stephen could have kept his mouth shut and kept his life, but his passion for the truth of Jesus was so powerful and so great that he had to say something. He couldn't just sit there. And just like David, he couldn't just sit there because my passion for the Lord is too great. I know what you're thinking, and and I think this myself. That's not me, right? I'm not Stephen. Stephen had the luxury of walking around personally with Jesus, face-to-face seeing him. We don't have that luxury of his presence. We have him in our spirit, but not the luxury of his presence. So it was easy for them, right? How do I put my passion to use today? Well, it's very simple, guys. You just do it. Just do something. We are passive with our passion because we have relegated them to another time or a different season in our lives. I will do this when I'm older. I'll do this when I have more time. I'll go to Haiti when I have more money. I will get involved with youth when I know the Bible a little bit better. Or I'll help with children when I know the Bible a little bit better. I will join a small group when I get to know the people just a little bit better. Guess what? You don't know them any better than you're going to know them in small group. So I will blank when blank happens. That's why we don't put our passions to use, right? I will whatever when this happens. God gave you the passions you have for such a time as this. The passion will not go away as time passes, but the one thing that may go away is the opportunity to use that passion. Do not miss out on what you were made for because of a passivity towards those passions God gave you in your life. Grab those instruments and start a band. So at this point, Dewey has thrown himself into the class project. He has gone as far as to give every student a role to play. So every student in the class now has a role to play in the rock band. As he teaches these students about the power of rock, his passion for music grows, but something else begins to happen. His passion for the students grows even more. Take a look at this scene here. Freddie, come on, man. We've got to focus up, you guys. We've got to nail this audition. Mr. S? What's up? 
don't think I can sing. What are you talking about? Come here. So, Tamika, what's going on? What do you mean you can't sing? I don't feel good. I feel sick. Just let Alicia and Marta do it. No! They can't sing like you can. I need you in the chorus. What is it? Are you nervous? Yeah, why? Well, what are you afraid of? They're going to laugh at me. What? Why would they laugh at you? I don't know. Because I'm fat. Tamika. Hey, you've got something everybody wants. You've got talent, girl. You have an incredible singing voice, and I'm not just saying that. You heard of Aretha Franklin, right? Okay, she's a big lady, but when she starts singing... She blows people's minds. Everybody wants to party with Aretha. And, um, you know who else has a weight issue? Who? Me. But once I get up on stage, start doing my thing, people worship me because I'm sexy and chubby, man. Why don't you want to diet? Because I like to eat. Is that such a crime? Look, th you know what? That's not even the point. The thing is, you're a rock star now. All you got to do, you just got to go out there, just rock your heart out. People are going to dig you, I swear. Let's just go out there, show them what we got. What do you say? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Let's rock. <laughs> I just like to eat. <laughs> Dewey has a real opportunity here. He pulls Tamika to the side to give her encouragement and to love on her just for a moment. Yes, he needed her to be able to audition but this was bigger than that. Dewey genuinely began to care for his students in the class. The final thing we learn in pursuing our passion is that passion compels us toward caring. It is at this point where our passion and God's purpose for our passion begin to intersect. Our passion draws us into something, and a lot of times, like with Dewey, initially it could be some level of selfishness. I'm going to do this because I want to. Because it may benefit me in some way. But as we get more involved in those things, the passion begins to change us. After some time, God has transformed us through our passions. And his purpose is being completely done on earth. Yes, even through a selfish passion. What started out as a pursuit of a passion has turned into a testimony of God's glory. And a couple examples, we just had a Haiti team come back. And, you know, and you talked to all of them, and Doug has shared this before. You know, Doug saw the, the earthquake stuff on the TV, and he just, his heart just melted. And that compassion for them kind of grew into this, this ministry that we have with Haiti. But you talk to people who go for the first time. And every single time they'll tell you, man, I went and I thought we were going to do something for Haiti. And every time they come back and say, no, Haiti did something for me. Because their passion got turned around by God, right? God gave them the passion to send them there, and he says, okay, now watch what I'm going to do. And they come back with an even deeper passion for God's people, and they see Haiti as God sees it. You know, second thing for me, I'm asked, you know, many times, you know, why, why the, of all the people to deal with, why youth? Crazy, number one, as most youth pastors are. But there's a couple things. I heard when I was first Getting into the ministry, there were two stats that I heard that just broke my heart. The first one that 
teenagers from the age of 13 to 19, only 4% believe that the Bible is 100% true. 96% of teenagers don't believe the Bible is true. And that is unacceptable to me, that they would believe that. The second thing was, is 87% of evangelical Christian teenagers who graduate and leave home and go to college do not go back to church. 87%. Which means we had, I think, eight graduate. It means with, if that stat are correct, six of them will never go back to church once they leave this place. That also is unacceptable to me. Because I think we as a church aren't teaching the kids the truth of what the gospel is. Because I will go to my grave believing that I can't for one minute fathom somebody turning their back on Jesus. They will turn their back on church, but never on Jesus. And those things are what drives my passion for a teenager. Yes, it's ugly, it's nasty, and teenagers aren't fun to deal with sometimes, but neither are people, and neither are adults. But we do it anyway. 1 John four nineteen to 20 tells us this. We love because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his fellow Christian, he is a liar. Because the one who does not love his fellow Christian whom he sees cannot love a God whom he has not seen. And I want that to sink in, guys. You can't tell me you love God and then hate what's going on at the church. You can't do that. Those two things cannot be in the same sentence. If you love God, you love the people of God. And even the people of God who might go to that church down the road that we don't agree with all the time. Even those people. I call this verse here, guys, the passion test. If we are passionate about Jesus and we are not serving in the areas of our God-given passions, loving his people, can we really call ourselves passionate followers of Jesus? If all I do is come to church on Sunday and listen to a message for an hour, I don't know if I can call myself a passionate follower of Jesus. Because I'm not doing the one thing Jesus was always doing, serving and going after people and finding where he could minister and finding who he could love on and getting involved. Sometimes we get involved in things out of selfishness, and I know that I have done it. I will do this because I can at least spend more time doing that thing that I'm passionate about. A lot of people get into youth ministry because you can do a lot of cool stuff, right? We can go bowling and movies and Six Flags and all these different things that you get to do. But at some point, the passion begins to kick in. Sometimes we put our passions in front of God. Sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, our passions don't line up with our faith. But I'm not standing here in front of you guys today to say that you're a bad Christian or that you're evil or that you've done something wrong. What I can tell you is that God will take that passion, even if it's ill, even if we kind of have a bad bad reason behind it, and through the process of us pursuing that passion, he will transform your heart. I forget and I hope I'm not the only one in here, that God gave me those passions in the first place. My passion drives me towards making the impossible possible. My passion drives me toward doing something. 
And most importantly, my passion drives me towards being compassionate. Take Dewey. He started teaching out of a completely selfish, even dishonest reason. In the process of it all, his passions never went away, but the way he began to use those passions changed. In the end, this selfish, dishonest, wannabe rock star turned into the best thing to ever happen to a group of students. In the end, he cared nothing about himself and everything about them. Hey, what's up? Uh, we're the School of Rock, and this song was written by our own Zach Mooneyham. seen the movie there's a little bit of language right there we have sensitive ears in the building but you can see what happens right god puts a passion deep inside of us the passion grows and grows until we have to do something with it as we begin to act on those passions god begins to shape us as god shapes us the way we want to use our passion begins to reflect god's plan for that actual passion. In the end, we are making beautiful music that glorifies God and reflects his will on earth. And I think that's the whole point. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Father, for this day. Lord, I thank you, Father, just to be in this room with such passionate people, Father. And I look out around this room, Lord, and I see so many different passions for so many different things, Father God. And my prayer right now, Lord, is that you turn some of those passions, and all of us, and I'm included, Father God, some of these selfish passions that we have, and you begin to turn those and transform those in a way in which you will be glorified, Father. Because, Father God, I want my passion to reflect the passion giver. And that is you. And so, Father God, we lay those passions before you, Father. We, we recognize that it wasn't just, I just didn't come up with this passion for golf on my own, Father God. You put me in the position and where I could be passionate about it, Father. And my prayer, Lord, is how can I use that passion to glorify you? Father God, my passion for teenagers, I thank you and I praise you for that passion, Father. And I know Doug praises you for the passion he has for just your lost people, Father God, whether they're in Haiti or whether they're here in Palestine. But Father God, like I said, we want our passions to reflect your glory. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, I don't ask that you quench our passion, Father. I ask that you begin to burn those even brighter and even hotter. And then you begin to put us in a place where we can use those, Father. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all the opportunities that you give us, Father. It is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.